coming up. Aaron Judge is headed back to New York. So what does it mean for the D-backs and the rest of the NL West? And then we're playing a little game of buyer beware, looking at which MLB free agents already got overpaid, who's going to be overpaid, and then which MLB free agents are underpaid or I think are going to be a great discount this offseason, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. <laughs> Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, at myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. We're trying to hit 300 subscribers by Christmas, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube. But on today's podcast, I want to look at which MLB free agents are overpaid, who's going to be overpaid, who's underpaid, who I think is going to be a great discount this offseason. But we first got to start with the big news of the day because yesterday... Remember, guys, I record this a day before it drops, so I'm recording this on Wednesday. So when I say yesterday, I'm referring to Tuesday because on Tuesday, John Heyman dropped a bombshell. Aaron Judge is going to the San Francisco Giants. And listen, as a D-backs fan, as a D-backs podcast host covering an NLS team, I wasn't too mad to see him go to the Giants because I was like, at least it's not the Dodgers. And to be honest, I'm not that scared of that Giants roster, even if they had Aaron Judge. Of course, they probably probably would have made some other moves, but I would not have been scared of the San Francisco Giants if Aaron Judge went there. But then a few minutes later, we saw John Heyman start to hit the moonwalk and start to walk back his statements because apparently he got a he he, he was a little early on that information and it wasn't a done deal. And Aaron Judge wasn't heading to San Fran. So I figured the next day. That's when I recorded my podcast Tuesday night, winter meeting predictions. I was like, okay, I'm going to look so smart because this podcast is going to drop Wednesday morning. Then we're for sure going to get the news that Aaron Judge signs with the Giants, right? Nope. You wake up Wednesday morning and there is a bombshell involving Aaron Judge. And it's not him going to the NLS. He's staying put in New York and not with the New York Mets, with the New York Yankees on a mega nine-year, $360 million deal. And... He is now the highest paid position player in baseball. I believe he's the third highest paid player behind the two Mets starting pitchers, Verlander and Scherzer, which is insane to think about the two highest paid people in baseball are in the same rotation. But for Aaron Judge, back to the Yankees, like, 
Yes, it was a very long, drawn-out process. Yes, the Yankees kind of did judge dirty throughout the whole negotiation process by dropping the reported league contract details of their first offer, trying to make the fans turn on Aaron Judge, make him go through this long waiting process of throughout the season and then the offseason. But in the end, Aaron Judge returns to New York, and I think this is good for baseball because this is what you want as a fan. Listen, I love free agency. I love the idea of going out there and sign a mega free agent. But for players of Judge's caliber, who is in a different class than most of these MLB free agents, a guy who is homegrown, a guy who has a chance to be a Hall of Famer, a guy who has a chance to be a historic pantheon great among Yankees legends. And it's like, you're going to let that guy walk in free agency after he just hit 60 home runs and set the AL home run record and the Yankees franchise home run record, knowing how many great players have come through Yankee Stadium. You're going to let that guy walk in free agency. I think it would have been a terrible signal to just the rest of major league teams because then where do you stop the guy like Aaron Judge can't resign with a team like the New York Yankees? Like, I think it would have sent a bad signal to the rest of baseball that these free agents are not willing to leave because it seems like these teams are willing to not pay their homegrown historic stars the money that they need. Like we see Juan Soto get traded from the Washington Nationals. Mookie Betts get traded from the Boston Red Sox. Like those should be lifers in those cities. Fans should have the jersey and never have to buy another one because it's a one jersey player for those guys. And for a guy like Aaron Judge, I'm glad that he went back to New York. I wouldn't have been mad if he signed with the Giants, but I'm glad he went back to New York because that's what you want to see as a fan. You want to see that homegrown, historic, Hall of Fame type player come back. As a D-backs fan, it sucks Paul Goldschmidt is no longer in Arizona. Now he's off winning MVPs with another team. Free agency should have some stars, some all-star level players, but it should not have your franchise icon in the pool. Those guys should be re-signed before they hit free agency. And if they are going to hit free agency, it better be because... They're on their second team. That team's letting them walk. It better not be the team that drafted them and groomed them through their organization because then that's a really bad look in that team's front office. And if you're not going to pay your star, you got to do what the Orioles did and trade your player before free agency. Even though the Orioles did a terrible job and traded him way too late, should have traded Manny Machado two years prior to free agency. That's what you got to do if you're not going to resign these players because it makes no sense to have these historic all-star superstar players and then let them free let them hit free agency and you don't even get anything in return i i just don't understand that if you're an mlb front office but now that aaron judge is going back to the going back to the new york yankees let's actually discuss this from the yankee standpoint like the on the field product because now that aaron judge is going back to the yankees what's the na- what's the next move for the new york yankees right Aaron Judge was their top priority. You couldn't do anything until Aaron Judge got signed. So you think because, listen, you see what the Boston Red Sox are doing. They're saying Xander Bogarts is their top priority, but they're signing everyone but Xander Bogarts. So I guess the New York Yankees could have went that route, signed other players before signing Aaron Judge. But Aaron Judge is taking up a massive amount of their payroll, and the Yankees still have a lot of holes to fill. Still shortstop, what are you going to do? A lot of still really good shortstop on the free agent market. Are the Yankees going to sign one of those guys? What are they going to do with the Josh Donaldson move? They need some help after Garrett Cole, after seeing Jamison Tyone leave in free agency. Probably need a couple more bullpen arms. Like This Yankees team, if they run it back because that's in the position they are in, they seem like they're set up to probably still be a playoff team, still probably be around 90 wins. But do you see a championship contender as we stand right now? No. Offseason still 
longs away before it finishes. But right now, with this Yankees team, they need to go out there and start being aggressive, making other moves. Of course, they were all waiting for the Aaron Judge ball to drop. But now that it has dropped, the Yankees have to start getting aggressive this offseason. But like I said, this was a good move for the D-backs because he's no longer coming to the NL West. Now the San Francisco Giants are going to scramble. I like the move that they had yesterday with Mitch Haniger. I thought they got him for a pretty good deal around like $14 million, around $14 million. If the D-backs didn't have so many outfielders, um, I would have been down to bring Haniger in, maybe as a DH right-handed guy. I thought that would have been interesting, but I like Mitch Haniger. I like that move for the Giants, but they, they the Giants still have a Carlos Rodon out there in free agency. What are they going to do with him? Brandon Belt's a free agent. Evan Longoria's a free agent. Like, they got a lot of moves. I think Corey Dickerson, Donovan Solano. Like, the Giants have a lot of holes in their roster to feel, to fill now that they don't have Aaron Judge on their team anymore. The Dodgers, what are they going to do? They lost out on Aaron Judge. They lost out on Justin Verlander. And so now it's like, there's reports that they're not that interested in Carlos Correa. Like, who are the Dodgers going to go after? Because their rotation is still going to be elite next year. Like, even though they didn't get a Verlander, they're still going to have Kershaw, Urias, Bueller, and probably some random starter, too. Like, they're still going to have a very good rotation. I don't know what's going on with Trevor Bauer. Maybe he's back. I don't know what's going on with him legally or anything like that. Uh, Dodgers, they still got that shortstop hole to fill as well. So I think the Dodgers are also in a position where you're going to see them start going to get a little bit more aggressive. And I think it's going to be a race between the Dodgers and Yankees for some of these free agents that are left. Maybe the Yankees lose out to the Dodgers because they just spent nearly $400 million on the on Aaron Judge. But uh, I'm very curious to see how these two teams attack free agency now. And one more quick point before we wrap up segment number one. So glad, <clears throat> let me let me get this right. So glad and so thankful Aaron Judge did not sign with the San Diego Padres because we would have never heard the end of Slam Diego if they got Aaron Judge, Tatis, Machado, and Soto. That core four would have been the best in baseball. That would have been like the Golden State Warriors when they signed Kevin Durant. Like that offense would have been phenomenal. That core would have been elite. And I hate the San Diego Padres. So I'm so glad Aaron Judge did not sign with that team. Now, if you let me see which ad read I got today. Today is this will be Thursday. So if you want to bet on one of these top free agents signing with the D-backs this offseason, you need to head to betonline.net because betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Every Sunday when I wake up in the morning before the NFL games start because I have to get up early to check my fantasy lineup to make sure there's no injuries. And after checking my lineups, the next thing I do is go to betonline.net and I see what are my plays of the day. Usually I like to do a little Saints parlay. Usually usually I like to bet against the Vikings and the best place to do that is betonline.net because you get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Let's look at some buyer beware free agents, free agents who have not signed yet, but I think I think they're going to be overpaid this offseason, and I would rather not go after these guys because so far, I don't think there's really any deals that I hate so far. The Zach Eflin bidding war, I was not a fan of. I don't understand why the Red Sox and Rays were fighting for his services. He's like a solid number four starter, but he's not someone that we should have a bidding war over. Jamison Tyone might have been a little rich from my standpoint, and I don't like the Cubs signing him because he basically has to be the guy for Chicago, but it wasn't an outrageous deal. I think probably the worst deal that I don't like so far in free agency might have been the deal that the Red Sox pulled today for the Japanese outfielder just because they made him like the highest paid Japanese position player of all time. He's in his late 20s. It's not a big power or speed threat. Like he can hit 20 plus home runs, but he's mostly in elite contact and on base machine. So we'll see if it works out for him. I just don't like being the, the team that sent out the largest contract on record for someone who I've never seen play in America. That's just my biggest concern with that deal, but it could actually end up working out for him. Maybe this guy's like an instant impact, you know, all-star outfielder. And I'm just downplaying and not giving him enough credit. But let's jump into the list of these are players who, I'm not saying these players aren't good. I'm not saying these players, if you sign them, they won't help out your team. I just think they will instantly become maybe overpaid or overrated based on their contract. And the first guy is a Brandon Nemo because, listen, Brandon Nemo is a good player. He has multiple seasons with an 800-plus OPS. I'm a big OPS guy. Some people use WRC Plus as, like, their go-to metric. I think OPS is just a lot easier for people to visualize and for people to rationalize in their head whether you're a good player or not. If I told you someone has, like, a 87 WRC Plus, some people knows what that means, and some people are like, eh, what, what, what's the league average on that? But if I told you someone has like a 750 OPS versus an 850 OPS, I think we know there's a big difference between those two players. So for Brandon Nemo, he's someone with multiple 800 plus OPS seasons, a really good contact hitter, good at getting on base, a great defensive center fielder. I don't think he allowed one error in center field this past season, really battles at the plate, knows how to draw out in that bat. But Brandon Nemo projected around $21 million over six seasons. He's someone that's turning 30 years old this March before the start of this next season. And for Brandon Nemo, my biggest issue with him is probably that he's a big health risk. Excuse me, had a burp real quick. Only two seasons with more than 100 games played. Doesn't really have a ton of power. Like for Brandon Nemo... He had his second most home runs in a season with only 16 this past year in 151 games. Did lead the league in triples with seven, but 30 doubles was a career high for him. First time he cracked 30 doubles. So really doesn't have a lot of over the fence and solid, just solid gap power. So not a big power threat, not a big speed threat. Never been an all-star. He's a good player. I just don't know how much of a needle mover he is. Like if you're a contender, then yes, he will help you out a lot. But if you're just like, uh, a solid team like if you're the Cleveland Guardians like Nemo would help you but I don't I don't think he changes the world for you I think he's more helpful to a team like the Dodgers a team like the Houston Nationals teams that already have multiple players maybe a team like the Boston Red Sox if they re-sign Xander Bogarts because they still have a ton of talent in that lineup with Bogarts, Devers, Trevor Story you could use a guy like Brandon Nemo 
at the top of your lineup to get on base. But if he was to go to a team like like the Miami Marlins, who desperately need offense, I don't think he helps out that offense that much if he signs with the Marlins. So I think he's someone that could be overpaid and overrated depending on the team that he goes to. The next guy is Dansby Swanson. Listen, this is not biased because the D-backs drafted him number one overall and then traded him for maybe... Maybe the worst deal in MLB history when they got back Shelby Miller, who was just a complete disaster from day one. But Dansby Swanson, he's gotten better offensively each of the last three seasons. We know he's a defensive wizard coming off his first all-star appearance in his career. And you look at some of just the raw counting numbers, because I'm still a guy, most of the time when people talk about sports, they just want to give you the advanced stats. I'm still a guy like, what is your actual production? What do you actually do for me? And Anthony Swanson, 25 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 95 plus RBIs. That's definitely a good season. But he's projected around $25 million a year over six years. And that just seems like a lot of money for someone with only one season with the above with only... Let me get this right. Nancy Swanson only has one season with an OPS above 800. And that was during the 2020 COVID shortened season. So he's like someone I would be comfortable paying maybe 20, 25 million dollars if it's like a three to five year deal because he's only 20 years old and he's getting better. So if I only have to pay him for ages 28 to 33, I would be okay with that. 33, 34, I would be okay. But if I'm paying him $25 million a year over the age of 35, if I have him for ages 37, 38, 35, I feel like he's a clear regression candidate considering even though he can hit 20-plus home runs and get you 15 stolen bases, he's never had like an elite offensive season. And if I'm paying you $25 million from age 35 on, you better still be a pretty damn good productive offensive player and even during those prime years he's going to be really good but he's not going to be a great offensive player so I just feel like he's going to begin too much money and depending on how long the deal is I'm gonna hate the deal even more the next player is Andrew Benatendi projected around 17 million dollars a year and he's coming off an all-star appearance but I think that's only because the Kansas City Royals had to send somebody to the All-Star game to be their representative at this point of his career. I think Ben Tendy's like a third outfielder at best. He really peaked those first couple years in Boston. Guys, I always say I'm a Closet Red Sox fan. I thought Ben Tendy was going to be the next freaking Boston legend. And he looked like that his rookie season. His second season was good too. And then, I don't know what happened to Andrew Ben Tendy after his first couple years. His power completely left him this past season. Had five home runs in like 140 games. Only has one season where he cracked that 800 plus OPS, and that was his second season in baseball. I just don't think he's a very high ceiling player like we thought he was going to be when he was the top prospect that went through the minor leagues in like one season. And even when you looked at Andrew Penn, <clears throat> even when you looked at Andrew Ben Tendy this past season post the MLB trade deadline. Did he make that much of an impact with the Yankees? I feel like most Yankee fans don't even remember Ben Tendy being on the roster, mostly because he was hurt, and secondly, because he wasn't that big of an impact player. So Ben Tendy, if you go out there and give him $17-plus plus million buy or beware, because I don't think he's going to be a $17 million impact player. Then the next guy I want to discuss is, or the last guy I want to discuss is Brandon Belt, because he's also projected around $16 million, and if you're bringing him in to just be a solid, stable first baseman with modest ex expectations, then I'm okay with you bringing him in. 
Maybe not for $16 million, but if you're bringing him in to be like a Mitch Moreland, someone who you're like, okay, that's a solid first baseman, but he's definitely not like a core piece of our team. We're not afraid to trade that guy at the deadline if we feel like there's a good deal in place. I just, I'm just scared that folks front offices are going to look at his 2020 season that was injury plagued and really poor and just think he's going to see some positive regression in 2023 because listen, even though he was really good in 2020 and 2021, 2018 and 2019, there was real signs of decline for Brandon Belt. And now that he's entering his mid-30s, coming off the 2022 season he just had, I wouldn't want to pay him over $15 million at age 36, 37, 38. It's just, it, it just not someone I would go after. He's a solid first baseman. If you're treating him like Mitch Moreland, I'm okay with it. But if you're treating him like he's going to come in there and be like a potential all-star first baseman for your team, then I'm completely out on Brandon Belt. look at some free agents who already signed a deal who I think is on a discount or free agents who I think is going to be a discount this offseason. The first play I want to discuss is Jose Abreu. Listen, the Houston Astros got Jose Abreu for less than $20 million. Just think about that. When you look at some other free agents that are making 20 million or projected around 20 million, like Jock Peterson is getting 19.6. Anthony Rizzo's getting $20 million. Taiwan Walker's getting 18. Like the fact that Jose Abreu is coming in at 19.5, basically the same at Martin Perez. Like Jose Abreu was the 2020 MVP, three time All Star. This guy, this guy has a career 292 average and 860 OPS. The power definitely declined this past season with only 15 home runs in 157 games. But the advanced contact numbers when it comes to hard contact rate and other stats related to hard contact. Jose Abreu still as good as ever. So this is just someone that is a pure contact hitter on base machine and still can hit doubles and still get you some home runs as well. So I just absolutely love the Jose Abreu to Houston Astros deal. Chris Martin to the Boston Red Sox. Chris Martin is not even someone I was too familiar with before this offseason, but after looking at his numbers, I'm like, man, why didn't the Arizona Dimebacks sign this guy? Because Chris Martin was really elite at not allowing walks, only 0.8 walks per nine, only 0.8 walks per nine innings and 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings. So that is 14.8 strikeouts to every one walk, which is just an insane number of 305 ERA this past season. Got some uh, experienced closing games. He's in his late 30s, but considering he came in under $10 million and was really productive the last couple of seasons, the last three seasons, the last four seasons, I thought this was a really good deal for the Boston Red Sox and a reliever. I would have liked the D-backs to sign. Nate Ovaldi, he's someone that hasn't been signed yet. And for someone that's projected around like $16 million, this is someone who I think is an elite number three pitcher in a rotation, but He's had to be the number one or number two starter for the Red Sox the last couple of years because of Chris Sale's injuries. So this is someone that knows how to hold down a rotation. He's projected for Jamison Tyone money, but I think he's way better than a Jamison Tyone. I don't think Jamison Tyone could be the best starter in a rotation that 
has playoff aspirations. Nate Avaldi was the number one star for the Boston Red Sox that almost made the playoffs. So I have way more faith in Avaldi for the same amount of money as a Jamison Tyone. He's also someone that has come through in big playoff stages before and knows what it's like to be the man of a rotation. So imagine if you slotted a Nate Avaldi behind a Zach Gallen in front of a Merrill Kelly or even a behind a Merrill Kelly. It would be nasty. I love Nate Evaldi, strikeout artist as well. I think he's going to be a great value for a team out there. Next up is J.D. Martinez. You can see a theme here with Red Sox-related players, but J.D. Martinez, also someone projected around $16 million, definitely in the decline, coming off a lesser-type J.D. Martinez season in 2022, but still a really good offensive player, limited to, limited to DH, I know, but I still think he could get you 15 to 20 home runs. I think he's still one of the purest contact hitters in baseball. I still think he's going to have like a 300 average. I still think he knows how to rake in the middle of your lineup. And he's just going to be like a Nelson Cruz where you always think he's just, you always think the cliff, the drop off is coming. And then you look up at the end of the year like, damn, he put up all-star level numbers once again. Even though he doesn't play any defense, I think JD Martinez, if he's your number five or six hitter, you're still a pretty good major league team and you're probably a playoff contender. So I love JD Martinez and then I got some quick hitters for you guys here because all these guys are projected like five million dollars or less in the bullpen and I would love the D-backs to get their hands on any one of these players Adam Adovino just come just came off a great season with the New York Mets late 30s but I think would be perfect for the D-backs closing experience Andrew Chafin started his career with Arizona strikeout artist been really good the last few seasons Matt Moore had a resurgent season with the Rangers last year. Elite ERA turned into a, a, a flamethrower once again. Highest fastball velocity in like five years for Matt Moore. I would love him. Michael Fulmer turned into a really good back-end reliever the last three years with Detroit. Would love to see him in Arizona. Or how about Corey Nebo, who I think missed some time with injury last year. Uh, been uh, an all-star closer in the past. Not old at all. I think he would be a really good value as well for the D-backs. So I think those five relievers would be a great discount. All of them projected around $5 million or less, and I think would be great for the D-backs bullpen. And then some other veteran players who I think could be a little bit over the hill, but are these are veteran players who are definitely a little over the hill, but not to the point where they're negatives for your team just yet because of Michael Brantley, that Evan Longoria, and Justin Turner. Those are all veterans. All three of those guys are definitely old, but... If you bring them in as a platoon guy to play around half the season, I think they're still productive players. They're not the Adrubal Cabrera type where you bring them in and you're like, man, how early is that trade deadline? How far is it away? Because we got to get this guy off our roster to give opportunities to younger guys. Michael Brantley can still hit for contact. Evan Longoria still got some pop, and so does Justin Turner as well. Those guys are projected 5 to $8 million. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, there's other players projected around, like, like Will Myers projected, like, $13 million. Like, I think I would rather have Michael Brantley projected, like, $7 million. So, those are some quick hitters, some MLB free agents who I think are going to come under, maybe not their projected price tag, but whatever price tag they do get, I think it would be a better deal than some of these other free agents who I think could be a little overpaid coming out of this offseason. Now, that's it for this edition of this Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for checking into today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. It will be 
Friday on our next podcast. So we might have to do a little free agent Friday and look at some other free agents the D-backs should go after. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. Go behind the scenes with local insights from our local experts available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.